Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Koto tato al hori hori tene, he hotaka e panaki te putaio, te taio, me te kopapa o te ora. I'm Alison Balance, and now. The annual Bird of the Year competition kicks off on Monday, the 1st of October. That's next week. Now, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you'll know that I have a soft spot for seabirds. After all, New Zealand is the seabird capital of the world. And of the 13 previous winners of Bird of the Year, the only time a seabird, the fairy turn, took the title was the year that only seabirds were eligible to enter. So I'd love for a seabird to win Bird of the Year. And just like last year, I will be trying to make that happen. I'm teaming up with RNZ's business editor Giles Bickford again to campaign for Hoiho, the yellow-eyed penguin. Forest and Bird runs the Bird of the Year competition to highlight how threatened some of New Zealand's unique birds are. And seabirds are no exception. A third of our seabird species are seriously threatened, including Hoiho. So now I'm going to catch up with a couple of people who are year-round seabird campaigners. They're working hard to try and remove one of the big threats facing some of our seabirds, getting accidentally killed during commercial fishing operations. The most recent State of the Marine Environment report for New Zealand from 2016 is a stock take of how well we are doing at looking after our oceans. It says that in 2003, an estimated 9,000-plus seabirds died in New Zealand fisheries. In 2014, just over 5,000 seabirds were estimated to have died. The most commonly caught birds include albatrosses and petrels, some of which are highly threatened. New Zealand is trying to stop the accidental bycatch of seabirds in its EEZ, but Forest and Birds seabird conservation advocate Karen Baird says that the problem is actually a global one. As we know, we have a lot of seabirds breeding in New Zealand, uh, more species than anywhere else in the world. But once they finish breeding, most of them, especially the albatrosses and petrels, fly off to other parts of the Pacific to overwinter and often to molt. In particular, many of our albatrosses and petrels fly straight across eastwards towards South America. And the big attraction there, of course, is the Humboldt Current, which provides a huge amount of food for them. So tell me about the Humboldt Current. So the Humboldt Current is a, is a cold water current that, that flows up the coast of South America. So it's a cold current which means it brings lots of nutrients and richness. Lots of lots of food. Of course, you, people will uh, recall the anchoveta fisheries, in particular these enormous fisheries of anchovies and pilchards. And so that's the sort of thing that the seabirds are after. So what kind of species are going across to South America from New Zealand? So there's a number of species, um, key species I guess we would call them, um, Antipodean albatross, which we know of course breed on the Antipodes. Antipodean albatross uh, fly across to South America, then flying up the coast of South America and then back across to New Zealand at lower latitudes in a nice little circuit really. Another one that people will be familiar with is our lovely black petrel of course, um, which flies across to Ecuador actually and Peru. 
and spends the winter over there. And probably a lot of the juveniles might actually stay there rather than come back before they breed. So it's a really important link, really, between New Zealand and South America. So are there risks to those birds when they're in South American waters? Yes, indeed, and and not only just in South American waters, but in the high seas as well. So as they move out of New Zealand, where we know they're at risk from our own fisheries and other threats as well, once they leave New Zealand, they start to come into contact with with other fisheries, other fishing fleets from other nations, distant water nations such as Asian fishing nations, Japan, Taiwan, China. And then, of course, once they get into Chile and Argentina... They're at risk from fleets within those countries as well. Do we have any idea how big those risks actually are, i.e. do we know how many New Zealand seabirds might be getting caught in South American and international fisheries? I think in, in South America there is some information. The Chilean governments uh, in particular have some quite high levels of observer coverage on some of their fleets, so we do know. Uh, and indeed they are starting to implement mitigation measures which are effective in preventing bycatch. Uh, but there are other fleets that we don't know very much about and um, something that we uh, would really like to investigate further. And in terms of the high seas, virtually no information and very high risk as we know that many of those fleets are not implementing seabed mitigation measures. So tell me about the mitigation measures that we use here in New Zealand. Well there's a number of different fishing fleets but I guess the uh, one of the key ones particularly for albatrosses is the what we call the service longline fleet and they fish for primarily tunas and swordfish and that's the one where people will will know that when you set the line there will be a baited hook on the line and it's set out behind the vessel and that floats on the surface for a period of time and that provides a huge attraction to a seabird, particularly an albatross, um, which are great scavengers. So you can imagine that the most important thing is obviously to get that bait below the surface of water. Um, Albatrosses are not great divers, so if you can get that bait down really quickly that's the primary objective and then while you're sinking that bait you need to protect that with a measure such as a bird scaring line so you need to have a bird scaring line and a weight on your hook preferably and the other measure that you can use is is setting at night albatrosses in particular mainly forage during the day so if you if you set your lines at night that provides protection as well so the agreement for the conservation of albatrosses and petrels, they do a lot of work around recognising best methods or what they call best practice for uh, mitigation for seabirds and they have identified that those three measures are the best practice for the service longline fishery. In New Zealand they're required to use a tory line or a bird scaring line um, and one of the other measures. Thanks Karen. Karen Baird is with Forest and Bird which along with Te Papa is currently hosting a visiting Chilean seabird campaigner. He's working to make the other side of the Pacific Ocean safer for seabirds, including our Antipodean albatrosses. Their numbers have declined dramatically in the past decade. There are now only a quarter of the number of breeding females there were in 2004. We know that some birds are caught in New Zealand longline fisheries and many more are dying in other fisheries across the Pacific, including in Chile.
My name is Christian Suazo. I'm from Chile. I'm the coordinator of the Albatross Task Force team in Chile. And we are involved in the research and promotion of mitigation measures to face the global problem of seabird bycatching fisheries. So like New Zealand, you have a number of seabird species that you're dealing with? Yes, indeed. Mainly during the austral winter, we have a lot of visitors, uh, individuals of several species uh, along the coast of Chile. So they are facing threats uh, in our waters, but also in the middle of the Pacific. So you've got a guide in front of you, and this identification guide is for people who are out on the boats to help them work out what birds they've got? Yeah. My main reason here is the updating process of a seabird by catch identification guide. This is coordinated and funded by the ACAP. ACAP is an agreement among uh, 13 parties. It's the agreement for the conservation for albatrosses and petrels, where uh, Chile and uh, New Zealand are also party. So my role is uh, meeting some experts here in New Zealand to know better about their species, some recommendations. Uh, also, I'm collecting recommendations from people all from different countries, in the, mainly in the Pacific, Atlantic, and other waters. So how big an issue is seabird bycatch and fisheries in Chile? In Chile, we start several management actions. Indeed, uh, we are very uh, concerned about the issue. We are uh, actively working in the development of uh, severe bycatch mitigation measures. We are also collaborating with other countries to improve the collection of data, but also the development of novel measures to reduce these impacts. So what kind of measures, um, what kind of techniques are you asking fishers to use on their fishing boats so that they don't catch seabirds? We are promoting several measures for mainly for industrial vessels. We are uh, using bird scare lines. They are cheaper to use and they are demonstrated reductions in seabird by catch around 98%. 98%? Yeah. And in addition, we are working in novel mitigation measures, some uh, modifications of fishing nets. In the case of seine fisheries, these fisheries in the Humboldt Current in Chile and Peru are targeting for anchovy and sardines. So some structural measures and, and cheaper measures can produce at least 98% in the case of shearwater by catch. Persane fishers catch large schools of fish, such as anchovies, by surrounding them with a net and closing it up like a purse. If the net is too baggy and lies on the sea surface, it can accidentally trap small seabirds, which are feeding on the same fish. But some simple changes to the net mean that not only are fewer seabirds now being caught, but the fisher's job has become faster and easier. Christian is pleased about this win-win solution. For us, it's so much important, you know, to reduce bycatch, but also those measures, those modifications, it doesn't affect, you know, the fishing success of fishermen. It's a key aspect, you know, for compliance and the promotion of those measures. Thanks, Christian. That was Christian Suazo from the Albatross Task Force in Chile. I'm Alison Balance. And this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ on the 27th of September 2018. If you'd like to know more, head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World, where you'll find photos and useful links along with all our stories going back 13 years, 
that should fill in a few hours. Now, if you listen to this podcast outside New Zealand, you may not have heard about our big celebration last week, marking 125 years since New Zealand women won the right to vote. We were the first country in the world with universal suffrage, and we are very proud of that. Sonia Sly is producing a great RNZ suffrage podcast called Beyond Kate. Kate Shepard being the leader of the suffragists who fought for women's right to vote. Beyond Kate explores 125 years of women's suffrage in New Zealand and the challenges that women face in a society where the rules continue to shift. You can find Beyond Kate on your favourite podcast provider where you'll also find us. We are on Twitter and Facebook as RNZ Science and I'll post a link to the Beyond Kate podcast there as well. Thanks for your company. Bye for now. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.